about that? What a nice little surprise on a Tuesday afternoon. Coming off a huge recruiting week, all getting set for four-star running back Dalen Smothers and his decision on Thursday. And then a PWO commits, right? And here in the state of Oklahoma. There you go, Parker. This staff can recruit the state of Oklahoma. Reese Taylor, I'm guessing that's how we say his Reese first name. Reese Rice, I don't know. R-E-I-S, uh, I'm going to say Reese Taylor, PWO at a Plainview High School in Ardmore. And I don't or didn't know a lot about him, Parker, but I watched some highlights from him. It looks like basically um, they just snap it to this kid and let him go make a play. They either snap it to him and he runs and makes a big play or he lines up at wide receiver and they throw it to him over the top because he's really fast. Um, his Twitter profile says he runs a 4 four nine forty six one two ten. So a big kid, athletic kid. OU gets a PWO today. So have no idea where he's going to play at OU, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Cool. He tagged DeMarco Murray, so that makes me wonder. Yeah, is he, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he going to yeah. play running back maybe? I guess that would be the most likely option if he's tagging Murray in the tweet. But hey, okay, you'll uh, you'll take it, and that's one thing that we've talked about for the past several months is you know OU's had walk-ons in the past that have gone on and had nice careers. Uh, Drake Stoops rolled in as a walk-on. What Nick Basquin rolled in as a walk-on. Lee Morris rolled in on a walk-on as well, I believe. But I feel like the walk-on program around here is going to be a bigger deal, or at least more of an emphasis than it's been in the past. So we'll hey. Will you generate an All-American at some point off of PWO offer? I've got no idea, Parker, but there has been some history in the past going back to the Stoops era where some of these guys that have rolled in on walk-ons, you know, as walk-ons or preferred walk-ons or whatever, there's been times where you've found some pretty good football players. Yeah, and look, I'll I'll cut to the chase on this. The reality with preferred walk-ons is that you hope you never have to use them. Right, the fact that they're coming in as preferred walk-ons means you don't value them enough to give them a scholarship, at least initially. Obviously, for a kid like Gavin Freeman, he's gonna he's gonna be on scholarship at a certain point in time. But with preferred walk-ons, the hope is that you never have to use them. I'm sure when Baker Mayfield came to the University of Oklahoma, Bob Stoops' first thought wasn't, "Oh yeah, this dude's gonna be a three-year starter and a Heisman Trophy." How do you do? You number know one that? overall draft? Are you pick. quoting him but on that? My he point. Thought that. And what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at here, Tyler, is that if you do have preferred walk-ons who rise from relative obscurity to become cornerstones of your program, the way that Baker Mayfield was, and the way that Drake Stoops has been over the last few years at Oklahoma, that is a mark of excellence for your program because that means those guys are getting developed. And we think the development's going to be a lot better, right? Exactly. And when you're talking about championship programs, right? one of the marks of a championship program is that they develop. And that was one thing we did not see a lot of under Muleshoe was development. A lot of guys that ended up first-round NFL draft picks – uh, ended up making the grade to go play pro ball. They did it because they were just that talented, not because they got developed. Sure. Under Brent Venables, I think what you will see is you will see players actually get developed. You will see them actually get coached up. You will see them make progress in the weight room. Heck, you're already seeing that. And what happens when that happens is that you are mel- you are more well-rounded as a football program. You don't have to rely on two or three guys to be your bread and butter. And 
You're going to get some of these preferred walk-ons over the next few years, I would guess. And Gavin Freeman is obviously at the top of the list. But I would venture to say you will get some preferred walk-ons over the next few years that not only make the cut at the University of Oklahoma, but earn playing time well, at the yeah, University yeah, of Oklahoma. Text line, Trent Rattery, back in 2007, played tight end, earned a scholarship, and eventually started. That's right. Uh, this one says, Oklahoma State had a pretty talented wide receiver that went to Plainview High School. Hopefully this guy has his head screwed on better than his predecessor. Talking about Justin Blackman, two-time Bolitnikoff winner. I forgot Justin Blackman was an Ardmore kid. Uh, yeah, I think he Yeah, he went to Plainview. Yeah, he went to Plainview, and yeah, he was pretty good at Oklahoma State. That is State. wild. Peyton says, I'll always say if one PWO or walk-on turns into a starter, an all-Big 12 type of guy, that's a win. Why not bring these guys on and see what they can do? I, I totally agree with that, man. I, I love that they're making the walk-on program more of an emphasis. But, yeah, I mean, out of all of them that you bring in, how many are going to actually get playing time? I don't. It's Who cares? I mean, if it's one or two, like Peyton's saying, it's an incredibly added benefit. And some people will look at a player like Drake Stoops, and they, they look at the fact that Drake Stoops earns starts and gets significant snaps at the University of Oklahoma, and they'll say, well... What what kind of state is Oklahoma football in when former walk-ons are earning starting reps? And I take just the opposite perspective, Tyler, because I would say the more preferred walk like to to a point, the more preferred walk-ons that are earning their keep at the University of Oklahoma, the better that speaks of your program, especially when you're winning at an elite level year in and year out. I understand if you're at a program like Kansas, where you win two, maybe three games, if you're playing nine or ten preferred walk-ons at a certain point in time, that's indicative of the fact that your program is in dire straits. But when you're winning the way that Oklahoma has won, and you are getting key contributions from walk-ons, I think that reflects very well on your program. And, uh, by the way, this was an outstanding text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line from one of our uh, 918 listeners. In the wise words of philosopher Theodore Lehman, you don't recruit all Americans, you develop them. It's, it's true, Boom. man. It's true. Uh, more competition within a program is not a bad thing, man. You, you've got more people competing for a spot. That's, that's going to raise the level of play. Uh, someone telling us, yeah, that's exactly right. A walk-on receiver caught the winning touchdown against Alabama in a national championship game. Hunter Renfro. And now he's a pretty good wide receiver in the NFL, by the way, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Wasn't Mark Bradley a PWO? He transferred from Arkansas Pine Bluff, if I remember correctly. I don't know if Mark Bradley didn't have a scholarship when he initially rolled in, but he ended up being a great player, a great wide receiver for OU, hey, so you'd, that'd be a good one. You'd have to figure he didn't have a scholarship coming in if he transferred from Arkansas Pine Bluff, right? Because odds are, you know, especially in that day and age, at the University of Oklahoma, you're not putting a transfer from Pine Bluff on scholarship. Yeah, so. I mean, his dad was Danny Bradley. I mean, you know, he, he did have some connections to the University of Oklahoma. I don't know if that mattered at all, but uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, he got the answer on Mark Bradley. Hit us up. Uh, Dalen Smothers committing on Thursday. We'll talk about that. But, you know, I 11 days ago, LonghornsWire.com oh. did send out a story that said, oh, Oklahoma recruiting is in shambles. Oh, what are they going to do? A&M's dominating Houston, and Texas is dominating Dallas. What's Oklahoma going to do? Which, by the way, A&M is currently ranked 60th. They're not really dominating anywhere in uh, recruiting right now. But I just wanted to look at the programs right now, Parker. 
that are really kind of eating a lot of dust. We do have five months until signing day number one. I understand that. Auburn, and this isn't a huge surprise, Auburn is all the way down at number 70. Um, They are not in on a lot of high-profile kids. We know the story of Brian Harson, their head coach. It seems like he's a dead man walking. The odds of Auburn having a top 40 class this year, as it stands right now, is not looking good whatsoever. This is a situation, after last year and their coach situation, this could potentially put them in a hole for a while if they're not careful. Mm. Wouldn't that be delicious? I, I'm down to dislike Auburn, if everyone else is. I feel... <sighs> I, I feel bad for Auburn. I do. Because, and the, the reason I, th- I think it would be good for that program, the reason I take that point of view is because I feel like Auburn needs three, four years of suck for people to realize how systemically things need to change down there. I don't dislike Auburn as a football program. I just think that, in order for them to get back to where they were in 2010 when they won a national championship behind Cam Newton and Ted Roof, then what's going to need to happen? 2013, is, they played for one and were, what, a minute away from winning a national championship against that Florida was such, State. That was such right? a fun year. It was a, that was a, that was that a was great a game. Year. I loved watching Auburn football that year. But you heard Brent Venables openly acknowledge that he turned down the Auburn job. Because of the quote-unquote alignment. I don't feel like the casual fan realizes just how difficult that Auburn job is. Well, it's never, it been nor, it's never been more difficult than what it is right now. It's no, always never. been a challenge, but it's, it's as difficult as it's ever been. Correct. Because you are living in the shadow of Alabama. And much like the situation at the University of Texas, you have a lot of people that want their way. And... A lot of people who want their way and that think along very different lines. And so when you have so many desires and so many conflicting perspectives, it becomes very difficult to make meaningful, tangible progress as an organization. The Alabama point is the best point. They share a state with them. They feel like they should be on equal footing. That's not realistic. But you also have to figure out – or you also have to think about – who Auburn's number two rival is, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. So right now, Auburn's two biggest rivals are Alabama, who they play every single year, and Georgia, who they play every single year. Probably the best two programs in the sport right now. Again, that job is, it's never been more difficult than what it is right now. And that's why I always say, you know, the Tennessee job sounds good in theory, but it's more of a difficult job than people realize. You got to play Georgia every single year. You have to play Florida every single year. You have to play Alabama every single year. That's a fourth of your regular season schedule, dude, is against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama every single year. And not that Tennessee isn't capable of, you know, beating those teams, but in like the past 15 years, um they've beaten them like a combined 5 times, something like that. So, yeah, Auburn Tennessee, they're really tough gigs. But Auburn all the way down at 70. Um, UCLA's all the way back at 68. That's not a huge surprise, Parker, but they have got to get things going. Got to get things going before they get into the Big Ten. I just don't think Chip Kelly's going to be a part of their plans once they enter into that league. Well, and as, as we discussed yesterday, recruiting just became a lot harder for USC and UCLA. And I think that was probably an unintended consequence of the move because the move was made – 
for the sake of money, right, which UCLA desperately needs. If you read a lot of the in-depth journalism that has been done on the financial situation in the UCLA Athletic Department, it is dire. $100 million in debt? Isn't that it what is it is? Di- it's well yeah. beyond that. Well beyond hundred. I think it's in the neighborhood of like $250 million. Jeez. So, not only that, but you have very little public interest in your football program. I can remember, and you were out there at the Rose Bowl in 2019, right, Tyler? Uh, Did you make that trip? 20, 2018, it was 2018, 2018 Rose Bowl, okay. 2017 season. Yeah, I, I wasn't at the OU-UCLA. Rose okay, Bowl. okay, okay. But at, at that game, I just remember looking around. And I'm like, man, the UCLA Bruins, this football program, they play at the freaking Rose Bowl. And this is the attendance that they get? For, for Oklahoma for in town. Oklahoma. This wasn't Fresno State in town. This is Oklahoma, one of their more marquee games that they probably had in the past decade. Definitely playing in the, in the Pac-12, and OU fans had more fans in UCLA They there. did. They did have more fans. Now, the campus is the most beautiful campus I've ever seen in my life. Pauley Pavilion was massively disappointing, let me just say that. Really? The Rose Bowl's like forty-five minutes an hour away, so there's some there's some challenges there. But yeah, man, that was that was pathetic. So UCLA at sixty-eight, not surprising. A and M at sixty, though. Whoa, the Aggies who are currently running Houston right now, according so, to LonghornsWire.com. All the way back oof. at the sixtieth ranked class. Some, huh. some of those checks starting to bounce. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm, so. I'm not, not going to be. They're one not of those getting people, paid, just but. like Jordan Addison at USC. I'm not, I, I said that in jest. I'm not going to be one of those people. It's like, well, A&M's not recruiting well enough because they don't have any money and no more. But uh, it does it does make you wonder, right? That is kind of one of the thoughts that springs to mind when you consider, okay, what's different about A&M's recruiting class last year versus their recruiting class this year? couple things. One, there probably isn't as much financial wiggle room to be able to promise lucrative NIL deals. And – Look, it's no secret that NIL is a cornerstone of the pitch at Texas A&M. And also, video evidence of that. when you have such an outstanding class, I think it's only natural that the following class is going to be something of a disappointment because how many guys, regardless of what position that they play, are going to be as eager to jump on with the program where they know they're going to be fighting an uphill battle with guys that were just as highly regarded, if not significantly more highly regarded than them as recruits that are only a year older. Then you got Michigan at 45, which Michigan is coming off their best season since, what, Chad Henney was on campus? Chad Henney and Mike Hartz were in the backfield in Ann Arbor? Michigan makes a college football playoff, and they're not even you know cracking the top forty as is. And maybe Michigan will be you know again they got plenty of time, and maybe they'll eventually make their way into the top fifteen. But I thought after their best year in a while, they might make some waves. But maybe the Jim Harbaugh basically wanting the Minnesota Vikings job and not wanting to come back has hurt them quite a bit. I would say that's hurt. Yes, that that is substantial. Jim Harbaugh picking up the phone and flying to interview for that Minnesota Vikings job, that set Michigan back very conspicuously. And Michigan is a historic enough and a fabled enough college football program that they're not going to suffer the repercussions for long, but that was always going to come back to haunt Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. The second that he it, – it looked like – he was signed, sealed, and delivered as the next Minnesota Vikings head coach. And they was like, nope, actually, I'm going to stay at Michigan. And then, of course, naturally, he's got to explain to all these recruits and their families why on earth 
did you just basically ditch us and then change your mind at the 11th hour and then come back? How do we know that's not going to happen again and you're not going to change your mind this time? Temple has a higher-ranked recruiting class than Texas A&M at this current moment. Kansas has a higher-ranked recruiting class this given second uh, than Auburn does. So just let that uh, let let that be the main thing that you remember from this segment. All right, we got a lot of text to catch up to next segment. Also, are USC fans start starting to freak out a little bit when it comes to recruiting? Seems maybe that might be the case. We'll tell you about that more coming up next on Locked In. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. Keep those texts coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Seriously, we really appreciate all the texts, whether they're telling us how dumb we were for a comment that we made or asking a question about recruiting, whatever. Like, Thank you for your continued interaction on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I am starting to see, Parker, uh, some UF, USC fans at least start to question Oh my gosh, are we ever going to have an offensive line? They sure didn't have an offensive line last year out on the field. They keep striking out on offensive linemen. They currently only have one committed, and it's their lowest-ranked recruit in this class. There's starting to be a feeling in L.A. like, all right, we're going to get skill players, but are we going to get anyone that can block up front? Okay. (laughs) Well, well, well. This is what we call the circle of life, Tyler. Now, I'm not necessarily going to write the eulogy for USC recruiting in July, but I will say when you look at USC's board, you look at the guys that they're legitimately in the mix for down the stretch, there's a lot less left on the table for them than a lot of other programs. Most Most of their big additions, most of their big fish, as it were, are already in the boat. There's not a whole lot left out there yeah. where it's like, okay, USC has a reasonable chance to land that top 150 player, you know? Yeah, and what are they, 15th overall in uh, recruiting right now, I think. And as it looks now, Parker, it's like with OU at 11 overall, you say, all right, you know, that's a pretty good spot to be right now. But I think they're eventually going to be higher than that when it's all said and done. There's still a lot on the table left for OU, but you're right about USC. And I can definitely see a scenario where, like, okay, they're 15 right now, no need to panic, but are they going to be 15th overall in five months' time? I'm not so necessarily sure that that's going to be the case. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens after conference play occurs and after Zach Branch decommits um it'll be interesting to see what happens two days in a row after USC (laughs) actually hits the gridiron and what kind of success they're able to have in Riley's first year because I think that will go a long way in determining some of those key swing races down the stretch that USC is in because if they win 10-11 games which is not out of the realm of possibility certainly not likely but not impossible they win 10 or 11 games they may become a more attractive destination for a few of those higher-end players that they're recruiting, but if they only win six or seven, which, again, very much within the realm of possibility, then a lot of those kids are going to look elsewhere, particularly with the new reality that USC is in the Big Ten and has to travel 1,500 miles yeah. minimum to every road Might want to have a good offensive line in the when you roll to the Big Ten. I don't know. I'm not a football coach. I don't get paid to. Um, 
I'm just saying it might be a good idea to shore up that O-line before you go into the league where it seems like everyone's running around at over 300 pounds. Just just an yeah, idea. You, you better recruit offensive linemen that are already over 300 pounds because Lord knows they're not putting any, on any more weight with Benny Wiley's kettlebells. <laughs> Let me uh, call my shot here a little bit. Okay. USC is not going to have a dynamic top 10 recruiting class. In fact, kind of like what we're thinking here, a lot less going to be desired. Uh, have you tried telling this to Colin Cowherd, Tyler? No, I have not yet, uh-huh. but I will reach out to him this afternoon. Um, buddy, it's going to be transfer portal central again for old Muleshoe out there. Yes, it will. They'll, they'll get players this next offseason, but oh, buddy, they are going to attack the transfer portal as maybe even more aggressively than what they did this previous offseason. That's how they're, they're going to try to put a Band-Aid over the situation again. And I'm sure they'll get a couple decent... No, they will. They will. Uh, they'll sure they'll they will. get some decent transfer portal additions. They'll get some guys that are plug-and-play options on the offensive line. And once again, those guys won't get developed by Benny Wiley and his kettlebells. Curtis and- on the Air Covered Solutions text line says, Is OU going to be able to close the deal on the DB from Mustang four-star rated? Thanks. If you're talking about Jacoby Johnson, then yes. yeah, we feel pretty confident yes. about that. Yes. Uh, Peyton asks, how did Bama get two top 100 quarterbacks? Dylan Lonergan to uh, Bama. Yeah, that's, uh, that's first off, that's what happens when you're Alabama. Secondly, I find it very hard to believe they end up signing both of those kids. And there is some buzz. I don't know how credible it is. I'm still trying to work uh, through the smoke on that. But there is some buzz that Florida might be getting ready to make a run at Eli Holstein. So, And you like him quite a bit. I really like Eli Holstein. He is the best quarterback in the state of Louisiana at the high school level. It is not Arch Manning, contrary to – well, not so popular belief. By, by the way, the hashtag Archanon <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, I was going to bring that oh, up today. Man. Oh, my gosh. Um, Poetry. If you don't know what we're referencing here, Mike Farrell, who – does he still work for Rivals? Is that who I, he works I, for? The, no, he does not. Okay. He is self-employed, which is – Basically a fancy way of saying no one else will hire him. Okay, yeah. Well, if you're self-employed, that means you're throwing out all the hot takes. And, I, I mean, look, I I think most of us believe that he's probably right, but he's essentially said today on the J-Boy show if his last name wasn't Manning, he'd be a three-star prospect. I mean. <laughs> I And, l- listen, I, I hate to validate anything that Mike Farrell says, but – He's not far from the truth. <laughs> He's really not far from the truth. And uh, the Archanon hashtag that has been trending on OU Twitter is one of the most awesome. fantastic brain children that has been uh, purveyed across OU Twitter in recent weeks. I mean, leave it to Texas, right, to sign the number one overall player. And I do not think that Arch should be – the number one overall player. I think it's more about these services, you know, with the attention that comes from that. But Texas signs, or gets a commit, I should say, hadn't signed yet, gets a commit from the number one overall player. And instead of everyone being like, oh, God, here comes Texas, which some people are doing that, but most people are just making fun of him, how he's going to go there and not even finish out his three or four years and transfer from someone else. Uh, this text says, Aggies are running Houston like I run Miles. Yeah, AM has five commits right now. Five commits right now, and they've got, like, Katie is around the Houston area. Is Spring Branch, Texas, around the Houston area? Yep. I have no idea. It yep. is, okay. Um, in LaGrange, Texas, I think it's somewhere. They've got, like, two or three kids committed out of, out of Houston right now. 
I mean, there was a lot of bad lines from that Longhorns Wire article. OU recruiting is in shambles was probably the worst. But to say that A&M is running things in Houston right now, uh, not really. Not in this year's class. You're like two, three kids committed from that area. Also, the person that wrote that article has like 120 Twitter followers, which tells you all that you need to know. I'm pretty sure... <sighs> I'm pretty sure you or I could go make a burner account and have it upwards of 120 Twitter followers by the end of the day today, Tyler. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe you should try that. <laughs> what are OU's chances of landing Kirkland and LeBlanc? That's from Boomer Brady. Eh, this is a daily question right now with both is, these guys. It is a daily question. Which is fine. LeBlanc, the odds are good. I am north of 50% on Derek LeBlanc. I would say substantially north of 50%. I say it's a 70% chance as of right now, that Oklahoma gets Derek LeBlanc. And that number is going up by the day. With Peyton Kirkland, that number is going down by the day. I would say, as of right now, 20, no, 15% chance. 15% chance he's a Sooner. The Rose Bowl is not suited to handle sellout crowds in immediate areas outside the stadium where all fans funnel into the same area for refreshments and restrooms. Massive updates needed to handle sellout crowds. Plus, getting into the stadium is sure hell jammed together like sardines getting to walk away in the seats. Yeah, I had to park on the fairway of a golf course when I was there. Really? So, yeah. Um it made me highly uncomfortable. It wasn't my golf course or uh -huh. a golf course that I will ever play at in my entire life. Yeah, but, you, but still, I somewhat respect the game. And yeah. parking on like a like, middle of a fairway, wrong. I was like, this just feels totally wrong. I don't like this at all. But that's that's how it is for UCLA games. There's a golf course that runs right by the stadium. It's it's crazy. Uh, Arch Manning gets a taste of smash mouth football with the big boys. Won't be such a happy horn once he gets beat down game after game, loss after loss. Um, it's just now, I don't know if it's just now starting to trickle out, Parker, but more and more people are finding out what his final line was from his final playoff game last year at Newman. Yeah. And it was not, it wasn't yeah. number one overall player material for a no, postseason game. No, it was not. And it, again, it was certainly not number one quarterback in the state of Louisiana material. I think Arch is the number three quarterback in the state of Louisiana behind Eli Holstein and Ricky Collins. But that's a different can of worms. Regardless, the hype is off the rails at this point with Arch Manning. And the, the one nice thing, well, I shouldn't say the one nice thing. There are a lot of nice things about the hashtag Archanon movement. But one of the greatest things about it is it's keeping all the receipts. It's keeping all the receipts, not only from the people that are uh, touting Arch Manning as the justified number one overall player in America, but it's also giving a new platform to takes like Mike Farrell's, where he's willing to, and I, I, I'm saying this about Mike Farrell, I can't believe it, but he's willing to cut through the BS and say, okay, this is not real, and people need to quit drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh, people asking about Macari Vickers, four-star safety out of Tallahassee, Florida. He's got a final three of OU, Michigan, and Alabama. I have a crystal ball in for Oklahoma. Um, it, it is not the most confident in a crystal ball I have ever been. I will say that much. But that is a race between Oklahoma and Alabama. It is going to be one of those two programs. And I think with the way that Alabama is starting to fill up at the defensive back position, that is going to make the Tide a less attractive destination for Vickers down the stretch. And OU is already in a fantastic spot with him. Uh, he's got Keon Brown recruiting him quite adamantly to join him at the University of Oklahoma. 
Uh, so we'll we'll see where it goes, but I favor Oklahoma right now for Macari Vickers, if only slightly. Uh, you know how much you know how giddy I get and how much I love it when OU's in the state of Florida and getting highly ranked kids. I'm I'm telling you, I don't need an excuse to root against Miami. God knows, I do not need an excuse to root against the Miami Hurricanes or the Florida State Seminoles, for that matter, or the Florida Gators. But if OU's going to be a player in the state of Florida, and I think that they are. I will continue, Parker, to root against Florida State, Miami, and Florida. It's just going to be easier to get in that state if those three programs continue to be down. It just is. I I don't have a lot of confidence that Florida State's up up on the come-up anytime soon. I feel differently about Florida, and I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about Miami. It does feel like this time they may be on the rise, but I'm I'm hoping that those, those three teams stay at bay. Man, Florida State needs to burn it all down, man. They they need a complete overhaul. It's been a disaster so for a while, it, I, and I feel bad for them because uh, my entire maternal side of the family is Florida State alumni slash fans. So like I, I pull for Florida State. I like to see them doing well. There is very little hope for them to do well over the next few years. Very little hope. Yeah, they got to fire the staff is what they, they need to do. They do. They need to run dead, them so dead man far walking. out of town. Dead man walking. I think this year. Well, the Desmond Rick situation. Yeah, he was silent committed to Florida State. And then they didn't even make his top 10 after he pushed back the commitment date. He said, uh, what did he say this week? Yeah, they basically just stopped contacting me. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I just fell off their board, but he said I didn't really hear from him anymore. How does that happen? Precisely. You might call that one a Norv L. (laughs) Whoa! How long have you been sitting on that joke? Oh, I've used it before. Okay. All right. I about to say, we never before. talk about Mike it's, Norvell. But if it hasn't man. already been used plenty, it will certainly be used plenty over the next six months or so. More dad jokes on the Air Comfort Solutions text line coming up next. 405-651-3439. It is locked in right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Someone asking, hey, just wondering, how well has Parker done on his crystal ball projections this year? And I actually just checked it, and Parker is an impressive all-time. 77 of 79, 97, over 97% on his crystal ball predictions. Basically, Parker's been Hollis Price at the free throw line with his crystal ball predictions. What are you, uh, 2023, you're 36 of 36. I know, still still working wow. on the perfect game. It's going to end Dang. at some point. Well, we can't but- talk about the perfect game. Now we just ruined it. Rule number one about a perfect game. You can't talk about the no, perfect I'm with, game. No, I'm just, I'm just resigned to the fact that it's going to end eventually. I mean, you guys sending in the dad jokes now. If I can stomach some of these, I'm going to read some of these dad jokes later on. But that's what we got. We had um, – it's always hilarious the different paths the text line will take. If we just mention General Booty, then there's about 15 General Booty jokes that are going to happen very soon after. Um, you guys mentioned the Cleveland Browns last hour, and oh there boy. were a whole lot of <laughs> new names for the Cleveland Browns. And now we mentioned dad jokes, and it's dad jokes galore on the text line. What have we done? Uh, one listener on the text line has a productive question. When will Jacoby Johnson be committing? I don't get the sense it will be too much longer. Now, he has not put a decision date out there, but I would say within the next month, by this time in August, I would be surprised if Jacoby Johnson is not committed, and I would be even more surprised if he is not committed to the University of Oklahoma when all is said and done. So I do think Oklahoma is the 
leader in the clubhouse for the four-star out of Mustang, Oklahoma, and they really have been in the pole position from the get-go with him. So not at all worried about where they sit in his recruitment. Yeah. Uh, Troy Bowles, four-star backer out of Tampa. What, I think he's committing on Saturday. OU, Georgia, and Ohio State. And kind of at this point, Parker, you're just hoping to hear some 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 news, some helpful news. Samuel Omasigo tweeted out the lock last night, and everyone was like, it's Troy Bowles, let's go! But it kind of sounds like it's still Georgia, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I expect it to be Georgia at this point unless something changes drastically. So, would have been nice to get Troy Bowles in the mix, but I just I, I don't think that's happening right now. Uh, in case you missed it, a PWO commits, preferred walk-on commit happened today. Reese Taylor, Plainview High School out of Ardmore. I watched a little bit of his highlight reel, Parker, so essentially I'm an expert on uh, what he brings okay, to the table. Okay, feed us the scoop. Well, you know, Plainview just likes to line him up and snap him the ball. Um, it's really the kind of offense that I prefer, Parker. Hey, he's our best player. He's six foot one, 210, and runs a four four nine. Let's just snap him the ball, or let's just throw it deep to him every you don't single say. time. That's, you know, hey. Get playmakers the ball, huh? It's not that complicated. Now, Ardmore Plainview does have another player on their roster, whom I actually mentioned yesterday, Morgan Pearson. I think that could be an offer guy for Oklahoma down the stretch if things fall a certain way. But he's going to be a Power 5 football player one way or another. He's got offers from Pitt, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, uh, and several others. But... Uh, yeah, between him and uh, Reese, Rice, Taylor, uh, some playmakers down there at Plainview. Yeah, um, I, I'm excited to see the influx of high-end talent, I guess, um, coming through the state of Oklahoma in the next few years because, you know, one thing I've wondered, Parker, when you look at the 90s in Lawton and you look at the early 2000s in Lawton and guys like DJ Wolf and Antonio Perkins and Jamal Brown – Lawton used to be a hotbed of talent. And not saying that they don't have good players still coming out of there, but they haven't had the high-end top of players, you know, type of players come out of Lawton seemingly in a while. And I don't know why that's happened. I don't know why that's been the case. But Lawton has kind of, for four- and five-star talent is what I'm talking about here, that's kind of dried up a little bit. So I've been waiting on Lawton to kind of get back. But while we're still doing that, there's been some areas of the state, especially down in the southeast portion, that you don't really talk about on an every-year basis. But it seems like the talent of the state is more spread out than maybe it's been in a while, which is cool to it see. It is spread out, and that is very cool. I mean, you think about Ethan Downs, for instance. When was the last time Weatherford produced a player of his caliber? Idabel has a kid that could be a high four-star or even a five-star in the class of 2025 in Ravion Larry if he continues to develop uh, his natural physical traits uh, and produce on the football field. Uh, I'm trying to think, what other, what other small-town kids are there out there? Obviously mentioned Ardmore and mentioned Plainview with Morgan Pearson. Uh, he's a kid that is already in mid to high three-star range in the class of 2023. 2024 is a light class in Oklahoma, and I've mentioned that. Uh, but Durant, for instance, they they have one of the kids in the class of 2024 that is going to be highly recruited. Zadavian Sims, who's already a top 100 player nationally. They've got another kid in the class of 2026, Colton Yarbrough, that already has multiple Power 5 offers, including Arkansas and Michigan State. So, yes, it is very cool to see just how spread out the talent is in Oklahoma these days, and you still have your nuclei, right? You still have plenty of elite Power 5 dudes 
year in, year out from Tulsa and from Oklahoma City primarily. But a lot of, a lot of small-town kids yeah. as of late starting to hit it big. Uh, text line, let's get to a couple more before we hit a break. With Venables and staff taking this new recruiting approach, commitment when you know, like don't commit until you know that you know, how likely is it for commits to fall off prior to National Signing Day? Look, I, I could prove to be looking like an idiot once December rolls around. It would not be the first time ever. I just I have a hard, really hard time thinking that this staff is going to fall apart at any point. And really, I have a hard time thinking that one or even like more than one guy is essentially going to decommit here. I feel like everyone's all in. No. I don't all, think that's going to All the dudes that are locked in are locked in for good. And, again, if there's one guy, maybe Keandra, maybe, maybe. But nothing would reliably suggest yeah. that that's going to be the case. But right and now. here's the thing about these guys that are currently committed, and what I think is going to help OU recruiting out in the season. Look, I know that we're on a little bit of an island here that we think OU is going to be a good football team this year. I know that's not the popular opinion nationally, but I think OU is going to be a really good football team this year. I think that they're going to win the Big 12. I think they're going to get the four spot in the college football playoff. Like, I think this class, as it sits right now, they're committed, and no one's thinking about taking other visits or decommitting, hopping to another school, whatever. I, I think that your thinking is even more becomes even more solid, Parker. If OU becomes what I think that they're going to become before the season, you know what I mean? Like when you actually see the product and actually see in a year's time that they're a really good football team, then you really put yourself in a situation where, yeah, none of those guys are decommitting, and you're showing out pretty nicely for the guys that you're still trying to track down come when the season starts. Yeah, it's going to go a long way. This 2022 season will go a long way towards either helping or hurting Oklahoma's chances to close this cycle with some big, big fish, the biggest of which is obviously David Hicks. I think how this season progresses and what we see from Oklahoma, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, will have a definite impact on races like those. So, if it all comes together for Venables in Oklahoma and they win double-digit games this fall, then you, you, there's an outside chance you're looking at a top-five class in February. I'm uh, not, I'm not going to go ahead and say it'll happen, but like I said, 6-10 to 10 is my expectation. I don't think there's any way they don't finish with a top-ten class. One more in the 918, all joking aside, what's the realistic chance of General Booty being the backup? I think <laughs> there's good. a really good chance. Very yeah, good chance. Very good chance that that ends up happening. Very good chance. And we're all rooting for that, let's be honest. Oh, right? of course. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One final segment of Locked In coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, live on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Elite Roofing Systems, they are servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. OKC, 405-361-3094, Tulsa, 918-984-5475, or EliteRoofing.com. It's 10 transfers within the Big 12 that we're not talking enough about, according to On3. And the first one that is listed is OU Corner C.J. Colden. Transfer from Wyoming. What, he was second team All-Mountain West last year? We talk about a lot of names in the secondary, Parker. We don't talk about C.J. Colden a lot. Why not? Because he's new and because he wasn't on campus until June. I think that has a lot to do with it, just the fact that he hasn't even put on the pads yet as an Oklahoma Sooner. But you look at what he did at Wyoming. He was 
very productive over the course of his five seasons there. By the way, he has two years left. He has two years of eligibility remaining because of COVID-19 as well as a medical hardship. So he can play two seasons for Oklahoma, despite the fact that he's already played five years at Wyoming. So uh, this guy, he had 10 pass breakups last year as the number one cornerback on Wyoming's defense. He was their lockdown guy. Hit the transfer portal for more exposure, a better opportunity to play in front of NFL scouts, and that comes at Oklahoma. I think C.J. Colden will be in the mix to start. I think he's behind the curve just because everybody else has been learning the defense for six months longer than he has. But he'll see the field this fall, and I I have the feeling he'll see the field quite a bit. Another guy that I expect to see the field quite a bit is the next name that was listed, uh, defensive tackle Jeffrey Johnson, transfer from Tulane. I mean, if you're not talking a lot about him, that's kind of a you problem at this point. We expect him to contribute quite a bit up front. That kid's going to be a stud. And I would figure right now it's him and Jalen Redmond that are your starting defensive tackles. Uh, Give me Ethan Downs and Marcus Stripling on the edges, although I do think there's a compelling case for Reggie Grimes as well, and I think a lot depends on how the positional battles go throughout fall camp in the month of See if we can get uh, three texts in in about 45 seconds. Nothing better than to have a backup booty. Yes. Who is the new PWO we got? Uh, Reese Taylor from Plainview High School in Ardmore, Oklahoma. How do you feel about OU's chances with Colton Vosick? Not fantastic. There's still still a chance. It's not a good chance. It seems to me uh, that he is going to be heading up to the University of Oregon. If I had to put money on it right now, but I also get the sense that there might Texas might have something to say in that recruitment because of the recent juice that they have. It seemed like for the longest time he didn't want anything to do with Texas. Uh, it kind of sounds like that may be changing. And Oklahoma is still a consideration, but I, I think it's going to be tough to deny Oregon. You in Arlington tomorrow? I am. All right. Well, safe travels. We'll talk to you then. That'll do it for Parker Thune. The Rush! Coming up next, Bob Stoops joins us at 320.